Welcome to the InnerVoice.life podcast. InnerVoice.life, the voice of endurance sports. InnerVoice.life is a showcase of inspiring, moving, and authentic stories from the endurance sports world. We feature athletes who share their internal dialogue to give us a snapshot into their lives as athletes and most importantly, humans. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for today's insight into the inner voice of the wonderful world of endurance sports. Welcome back, everybody. Innervoice.life, episode five. Cody, I know we started last week with uh, some math to try and get to 10. Let's skip that this week. Um, let's know that we're on a roll, five weeks in a row. Um, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Doing really well, mate. Excited for this episode. Something a little bit different. Yeah, me too. Um, as we mentioned last week, we we're going to look to bring in some special guests uh, and this week we have our first um, we'll get to get to that in a moment but I think probably a great chance to recap what was a special week of innervoice.life last week um, sharing Lauren Phillips' story um, if you're a listener and know what we're up to Lauren's my wife um, we have a 10 month old baby and she's awesome and it was great to be able to share Lauren's story um, she also ran an incredible race at the Vancouver first half on the weekend. So no pressure after the, uh, inner voice feature was felt. So yeah, it was cool to share that one. Um, how, how's the feedback been on your side from, uh, from Lauren's feature, Cody? Uh, pretty much what we expected. I think the kind of outpouring of, you know, emotion and inspiration from our community has been yeah, what we thought it would be when we shared her story. And also just the, you know, almost like what we talked about, there's a lot that maybe she hadn't shared with a lot of people that came out in the story. And so, you know, there was a learning experience for people as well, even ones, you know, people that were close to Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, yeah, I've had a lot of people um, either call or text or stop me in the street and talk about how, you know, they didn't know about the fact that she was present at the, um, at the Boston bombings and things like that. And, um, it's really, I remember when I was watching that happen on TV, I was working at Lululemon at the time in charge of the biggest event, uh, Lululemon puts on and it really shook the industry. Like it actually had a massive impact on security measures and how things were done at major events and major races. So I was kind of watching it from as a human wondering, wow, like this is awful. Um, and, and wanting to you know, know how it plays out and hopefully it didn't play out worse than it already was. But then from a professional standpoint, sitting there watching it as a holy shit, like the whole industry has now changed. And what does this mean for, mass mass participation sports um you know and all the while my future wife is there 
um, going through that experience and trauma herself in her own way. Um, it kind of, yeah, it's just a surreal feeling to, to bring all of that uh, experience together. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people felt the same. I mean, it's one of those things you, you don't forget where you are or where you were when that happened. Um, right. Yeah. I still remember it very vividly as well. And I think she's, she's probably the first person that I've met that was there uh, and unbeknownst to me this whole time until we told this story. I, yeah, I, I had no idea that she was there either, but yeah, it's one of those kind of nine 11 style events where you know exactly where you were and that, that day kind of stays with you. And, but yeah. even then, like it's, it's still nothing compared to what the people that were there were feeling. And, and that's what was really, really stood out for me as a storyteller professionally is how, much detail she was able to go into about specifics like when you know what was on the television in the hotel lobby when she found her parents and things like that and um yeah it was a above all else it was just an incredible storytelling experience and i'm glad that that has come across to everyone that got to read it yeah yeah and i think on on a broader note i also had probably equally as many comments about, um, you know, how impressed people were with Lauren coming back from uh, having a baby and, you know, her, her running, improving in that time and coming back with a different level of focus and, um, and an ability to suffer and to, you know, push the, the, the limits of the pain barrier and things like that. And I think what Lauren was really cognizant of and has shared with me personally is that she wants to make sure that people understand that like she was very diligent in that return. It was really about getting back to being healthy and being able to continue to support our baby and running was, you know, secondary, if not thirdly to that process. And it just happened that, you know, through the work she was able to do in that recovery that, you know, she found that love for running and it gave her a different perspective on it. So it was, you know, and there's a lot of high-profile female athletes who have quite recently become pregnant or have given birth, particularly in the endurance sports world. You can, you know, think of Marinda Carfrey and an Ironman world champion, Gwen Jorgensen, who's a um, Olympic uh, champion in triathlon. So there's all these high-profile cases of women who are now attempting to come back. So it's it's very topical in uh, endurance sports at the moment. So uh, really cool to be able to share that as well a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, from a, a purely athletic sense, it was really interesting to hear, like you said, the, what actually changed. So not necessarily the, the physiological stuff, but mentally what she's able to do now. And going back to some of the things that we've discussed on previous episodes, it's, it's really interesting to see um, people's perspectives on that and actually recognize that they have changed through the process of going through something. Um, and yeah, it was, um, obviously she's, she's, you know, killing it physically, but also taking stock of exactly what's happened to, to her body and her mind over, you know, the last year or two years. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was really cool to be able to share it. And I think, um, yeah, great feedback as mentioned and yeah, a lot of inspiration to come from that one. So that was really, 
really exciting. Um, why don't we shift gears a little here and try something we've never tried before, and that's bring on a special guest who is this week's upcoming feature. Um, James Caprell um, is going to be this week's feature, and uh, a quick backstory, Cody, for you on how James and I met. We were both on the Everyman Jack triathlon team um, a couple of years ago, and we were given a task before uh, training camp to get to know one other person that you didn't know. So uh, James and I scheduled a call and we like chatted for, you know, I think we just scheduled like a 20 minute call and it turned into probably like an hour and we were kind of jamming and asking each other questions and like getting our thoughts together on, um, you know, the goal of that was to introduce the person to your teammates. Um, so we get to camp down in Vegas and I think we'd had a couple of beers and the banter started flowing and it was my turn to introduce James and I was talking about James and his love for cats and uh, a whole bunch of other uh, really interesting stuff about his history that probably made no sense. And um, I'll let James give his feelings and thoughts on how that went for him. But uh, I think we were, you know, friends right from that first time we chatted on the phone and, have stayed in touch since and it's been great to watch James transition from amateur triathlete uh, on that team, um, you know, usually winning races and definitely winning age group to now uh, being coming up towards his second season as a pro. Um, had some fantastic results last year um, leading the swim out in a number of races, including the Ironman North America Championship in the Woodlands, Texas and having some great results uh, in Lake Placid and um, yeah, just a real talent. Um, the, the great thing about James is still working full time, recently married, still got the cats, um, just a really, really dedicated, genuine, humble person. And um, we're going to have James join us in a moment, but um, Cody, did you take anything in particular from the process working with James and um, anything you'd like to share about it from that side for you? Yeah, it was, um, well, for starters, I've seen you on the banter on the beers, so I can only imagine how that went down. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm interested to hear James's feedback on how he felt that went versus how you felt it went. <laughs> I thought it was, it was gold. It was great. <laughs> uh, but in terms of working with James, we, uh, I was trying to look at our email exchanges whilst writing this one and what came across is just someone's incredibly diligent with their work. And so it is not surprising to hear that the results are coming as a result of that. If, you know, someone applies themselves to, you know, their, their passion, like they do with, um, with how he wanted to tell his story. Um, yeah, I think the, the results just come from that. And so it's not surprising. And, uh, again, it's a very different story to the ones we've been telling elsewhere. And, and that's what's great about this platform is none of these two stories are the same. And, you know, this is back to a, a really strong swimmer and, um, yeah, someone who's still working full time. And so it's a very, very different story. So, yeah, um, yeah let's, uh, let's get him on here. Love it. James, you're with us. Hey, boys, how's it going? Great, mate. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, we First usually guest. like 
first guest, this is big for us. Um, Huge. James, <laughs> why don't you give your version of how you and I met? <laughs> first of all, let's get that. Well, well, I think it's funny that we kind of start off there because I think this whole this whole experience of just like writing the story and even being on this, this podcast with you guys, has been super surreal and just kind of, kind of full circle in the sense that that first time we met was actually before, if you remember that was before you even went out on your own, you were still at Lulu during that time. So it was kind of, you know, we were, we were meeting for the first time, but it was also, you know, I was probably one of the first people that even told about, you know, this just idea for, for inner voice and and all the things that you guys have grown you know your little empire into which has been super inspiring just to see so just you know being kind of one of the first people to hear kind of this project that you're going to reach out and, and branch out and start has been um really cool to just you know full circle be able to to tell my story and um and yeah i was super embarrassed by uh, I, I tried to be like a gentleman and like talk about how like you had your accident and broke your neck and then you, you ended the year by walking down the aisle after a three percent chance of ever walking again and then you like made fun of me for cast and, and I was like what the it was, it was like, well James, which is like I just I just <laughs> if there's one thing you should know about Australians is if they're nice to you that means there's something wrong so the more banter, oh, okay. the more that someone kind of makes fun of you or takes digs at you, the more they like you. So that is a badge of honor, my friend, that you can wear very proudly. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll take that proudly then. But I do appreciate the, uh, yeah, you were a gentleman, that's for sure. And I think, um, yeah, I think you're right. I was just, I think I just left Lululemon or I was just about to leave um, at that time. And you're right, like you and I were able to connect and I was able to share my kind of vision of what we were, what I was hoping to create um, <clears throat> through that process of starting my own business and then bringing, you know, Cody on as a business partner. So, yeah, I'd forgotten that part that that was kind of around that same time. So thanks for sharing that. Um, one yeah, thing I... Yeah, one thing I do want to talk about, um, you know, having read your story now and, and pulling it together to, to publish for this week was I think there's a, also a really cool story and cor correlation about you and your wife, Sam, and how hard you guys actually work. And we were impressed with Jesse Thomas when we shared his story about the fact that, you know, father, CEO of a company, professional triathlete, and I think you guys are equally as impressive with time management and the things that you're able to squeeze into the day, you know, both, um, you know, working full time, Sam studying for her, her MBA, um, you be, you know, as a professional triathlete, we're still working. So it's super and commuting as well. So there's all these things that you guys come up against, but it's really impressive to see that, you know, both of you are willing to work hard and put in the hard yards to get what you want out of life. So kudos to you guys for that. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, that, um, that, that actually, the whole like process of writing the, the, this, I guess, I don't even know if you call it my story or, or whatever you call it in general, but it was, uh, it was all really like fun and just like reflecting back on kind of what drives me and, and who I am as an athlete. And then the one part where I just got like super emotional, I was like sitting on the train, like about to like start crying as I start writing about like how much Sam's mean to me and like all these like random commuters are staring at me side eyes like what's this emotional 28 year old doing like um but yeah no she's she's like um we actually have like a long long history we met in high school um both doing the competitive USS swimming thing um we were on the competitive swim 
some teams and kind of just ran, ran into each other in passing and practice and, and meet and, and always had like a flirtation and kind of were just friends for, for a long time. Um, I went to Penn State, she went to Georgetown and actually I was two, two grades above her. So we were kind of just um, off doing our own thing, kind of like just growing up. And then um, I went out to work, um, work in Pittsburgh and then I came back to New York and um, yeah, I don't know how we eventually even crossed paths in New York, but it was kind of just like, you know, old friends reuniting and, and it was really just that spark, you know, just the timing was right. And we just, yeah, we just clicked, um, clicked since we've known each other for the past 10, 15 years. And just, it was finally the timing was right. So, so that was, awesome. that was super fun in particular, just being able to write about that part. And, um, and yeah, getting, getting through the emotional part of writing about that one was, was embarrassing, but fun too. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think there's a line in there that uh, reads something like, whenever you see her uh, when you're racing and you're on the run, you want to stop and give her a kiss and acknowledge her for her support. And I think you followed up with um, something like, you've never lost a race by five seconds. So until <laughs> you do, you'll keep doing it. So that's, yeah, super cool. And it shows, you know, how much she means to you, um, which is really, really amazing. So thanks for sharing that. Um, you mentioned yeah. a little bit about your process and, and what that was like for you in sharing this story. Um, I'd love for you to like give us that insight of like, did it help frame your thoughts on like how you approach racing or training or your life as an athlete or not? Like, was there anything you learned from involved in this process that you'd like to share with us? Um, so it's, it's funny, you know, I like kind of was jotting down ideas of like, what I wanted to chat about here too. And just like, even going back to, you know, my high school days in terms of just how many hours a day I spent in the pool. Um, I think swimmers and triathletes who spend a lot of time by themselves training, like the mind is always kind of turning and churning. And I, I just personally like writing a lot. And, um, you know, even if that's like nerdy sounds, but like if Sam's got like a paper, she's got to write for her MBA class. I'm like always, like helping her revise it or go through it. I just, I just like, like doing that. And it was kind of like, I've been swimming since I was four years old. So it's, it's 20 plus years of just like my mind churning and not having like an outlet. Like this was actually the, the first creative outlet I've actually had to be able to put down kind of, um, you know, my process and how I got to where I am today, like on, like actually put pen to paper per se. Um, yeah. So that was kind of just like, super therapeutic I think just in terms of like reflecting and looking back um you know a lot of reflection on my parents and and how much you know their their influence and, and raising me and and obviously as you as you mentioned earlier Sam and I just got married last year so like um we will you know eventually have kids of our own and, and looking back to how like influential my parents were on raising me and and how you know diligent they were with keeping me busy and, and keeping me, you know, humble and always looking to change and improve, like all those sort of, you know, you're five, six, seven years old, you don't realize those lessons your parents are teaching you and kind of looking back and reflecting on it, you know, yeah. having, having practice in the morning, school all day, having to go home and, you know, practice an instrument and then go to evening practice at night, you know, it's, I've been, it helps a lot now that in terms of, you know, I, I wake up some in the morning, go work get on the train, take an hour and a half train to, to the city, work all day, take a train home, and then I got to go run for an hour, you know, and it's, it's nothing, 
nothing new, you know, it's just that yeah. mentality that my parents have always had me, had me on to so just reflecting on that and doing, you know, putting that pen to paper. It's, it's just been, it was a really, really cool experience just to see. And, and, you know, as I said, I've been, yeah, same when I take the train in every day. So I've got lots of, lots of time on my hands or just not watching the train tracks roll by. I actually can, can focus on putting some thoughts down too. So that was, that was a cool way to pass time. And, and, um, and yes, I found it actually super therapeutic and just a really, really fun experience in general. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. That's amazing. And, and that's really like, what we wanted to create was something that was definitely a moment in time piece, but also something that you can reflect back on later on in life or even, you know, in a year's time and, and look at how far you've come and, um, and yeah, so I'm glad we're able to meet that purpose and, you know, it's something mm -hmm. that, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll show to your kids one day and say, you know, here's, here's where I was at this moment in time, but also you created a, a timeless piece as well that, yeah. you know, not, you know, is a, is a, a tip of the cap to your parents and, and the people that are important in your life. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, um, I think it's so cool that you see that, um, childhood reflected in your work now like there's so many people who either grow into having to work really hard or or it's really foreign to them and they don't necessarily know what to do with themselves when they have to fit a lot of things into their life and, and balance you know is not something that everybody has it's it's cool to see that that's kind of been a common thread throughout your life and now you really just recognize it as that's how life is, you know, that's how you go about life. Like it's not anything special. I'm just doing what I'm used to doing. So um, with that in mind, do you think that you could be better, improve, have better results if you weren't working or on the flip side, do you think because you're so used to it that if you all of a sudden had more of this free time that potentially you're, performance or results may suffer because you are sitting around not doing anything. Yeah. I, th I think that's, um, that's an awesome question actually. And it's, you know, something, um, when I took my, my pro card, I like, I actually used the pro term quite, you know, loosely in, in the sense that I do work a full-time job and, um, my, my source of income is, is my full-time job and not triathlon. I, I, I call it like racing as an elite and racing against, against pros. Um, it's just, um, yeah. So I think in terms of like just managing my time, I think about that a lot. Like, Oh, if I were to go to full time racing triathlon, I think obviously the biggest piece for me is just the recovery, not sitting, not sitting on a train for three and a half hours every day, obviously would just help me, you know, save my legs so that that workout, that next workout is that, that bit much better. Um, and I think the other thing is just sleep. I mean, I, Sam probably wants to kill me every single day when my alarm goes off at 4 a.m. And, and I just have to get up. And that's just, that's every day. It's just a matter of, you know, how I can get the, get the workouts and get, get done when I need to get done. But also, I think there's the, the other, other piece of it in the sense of, um, I write about it a little bit in the, the first part of part of the um, the piece about me getting into triathlon and how I got injured right first when I started a lot. I um, I think just that mentality of when I was a swimmer, it was um, it was like a hundred percent all the time, go go go, like every single workout, every single day. And and when I started running, that's 
that's how I trained running just because that's how I knew. So I would run, you know, I wanted to qualify for Boston. So every single run I did was at 705 pace because I knew that's what I needed to run for Boston. And um, I remember I was going to, I was going to run, I didn't even write about this, but like I was going to run the Pittsburgh marathon and um, I felt a little twinge and at mile like two and a half, my, my tibia ended up just snapping just from the over, like over stress. Um, a few years later, my, my, um, metatarsal, my foot broke. I just ended up like, just took forever for me to really learn how to like ease into it. And it's not, it's not qual uh, quantity. It's more so like quality, right? It's a yeah. pretty common saying. Um, and in, in triathlon and running that really took me a while to figure out that like, I forget what the, the saying or statistics is, but like 80, 90% of your runs are, are not done every space and I was doing the complete opposite right I was just like just bullheaded just like going at it as hard as I could all the time so um so there's also that piece to it too right if I went full-time like it's also it scares me a little bit that maybe I would you know overdo it and then injure myself so yeah. as um as much as I'd like to get more sleep I think there's also that like balance of like just being you know, forced into being able to do as much as I'm able to do with literally the limited amount of time I have. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think about it a lot. No, that's uh, it's great. And I think you, you know, you're not alone in the approach to training that you used to have where it's, you know, more, more, more. And I, I, I love that you're able to, to verbalize that for our listener because I know they like to take some tips and take some value from our guests. And, um, you know, I hope, hopefully this has been a great experience for them to be able to hear it directly from you and, um, I think I'd, I'd love to have you back on um, maybe in a couple of weeks once we've shared your feature, um, which is going live on Friday and, uh, and open up to questions because I'm sure people will love to um, get in touch with you and um, provide feedback and, and try and learn a little more from you because, you know, there's some really good insights in what you share and um, you have a lot to offer. So if, you'd, uh, if you'll come back and join us, well, I think we'll love to have you in the future. Oh, 100%. Yeah, anytime. Love it. Um, James, you're a legend. Thanks very much for joining us, mate. <laughs> um, how can people follow you or find you if they're interested um, in keeping track with your, uh, with your progress? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, can, you can follow me. Instagram, Twitter is all at J Caparell, C-A-P-P-A-R-E-L-L. But uh, I'll warn you, it's not going to be your typical pro athlete Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> mostly going to be probably pictures of my cats and, and my wife and um, pictures of me in ugly Christmas sweaters. But, um, yeah, if you want to follow along, I usually post around when I'm racing and stuff, but try not to inundate everybody with just pictures of, of my bike on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, give it a follow. And, and um, yeah, you'll see me, see me at Ironman Texas and Ironman Arizona again this year. I'm going to try and do a few of the escape races too. The one in Chile and DC, I think. So yep. trying nice. to race a little, a little bit more locally as well. And, and same going to Georgetown. We have that DC tie too. So. Awesome. so yeah, I'll be popping up a few times this year. I, uh, can you wear, can that Christmas sweater, the ugly Christmas sweater be your thing? Can you like walk into transition with those sweaters on yeah, and like make that, your, your make that your stick? Yeah, I'll do it. That's if, uh, <laughs> if you think that works. <laughs> you kind of play that as... <laughs> My, my favorite was the people that didn't get it at all. Like they thought it was like, they're like, ah, oh, that sweater is so ugly. I'm like, you don't get, like, you don't know me at all. It's just yeah. like, just don't follow. You don't, you don't understand <laughs> like, the concept of like, don't get it. Christmas sweater. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. No, maybe, maybe that should be my thing. I'll just I rock a rock a yeah, ugly ugly sweater and a Canada Goose jacket, and that's <laughs> that's how that's how I become. It can be my new like Jesse Thomas Aviators, like yeah. I'll, I'll fight off my own thing. That's your new yeah, thing. But we're talking about it like it's a singular thing. It's not just one sweater. That's what people need to understand. Like the the depth and breadth of different ugly Christmas sweaters that you have is exceptional. And it's so an expanding collection. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. If you want to donate Christmas sweaters, please hit up James and uh, we'll make that happen too. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. Cody, as always, mate, pleasure. James, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to sharing your story on Friday and uh, staying in touch as a part of the innervoice.life alumni. Uh, if you've got feedback, Questions, thoughts, please send us a note, stories at innervoice.life. We'll see you again next week and keep an eye out for James's feature going live 9 a.m. PST on Friday. All the best. Thank you so much for listening. We really love the opportunity to bring you the most inspiring stories from the world of endurance sports. Please make sure you don't miss a feature. Head to innervoice.life and subscribe. Also, stay tuned to this podcast as we bring you more great content and special guests over the coming weeks and months. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and make sure you share with your friends and loved ones. We look forward to sharing more inspiration from innervoice.life, the voice of endurance sports.